The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. What sort of difference, Dex, did you notice with your training after your type 1 diagnosis and obviously taking insulin and your bloods are where they should be. I would imagine your energy was so much higher, your mood was probably a lot higher, and ultimately your your strength and your muscle building can benefit as a result because your bloods are in a, a healthy range. Did you notice that almost instantly? Yeah, I mean, like right from the start, other than like working out and then having some lows right away, but once I figure that out, like even now, like my workouts are so much better. And I was walking around at about 220 pounds normally. And within the like the last four or five months that I've been on insulin, I'm about 232 now or 235 some days. So I've definitely put on a lot of muscle quickly. And that based on your videos and photos that's pretty much all muscle <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah like i just i just did a body fat test and only i'm at around 12 percent. so um it was just I crazy that like too. on that yeah oh, you're um, a big guy <laughs> yeah I'm like bigger than what i realized a lot of people um <laughs> tell me that but yeah like now my workouts are so much better and before i used to only really want to work out alone um just because i just didn't feel well and didn't really want to be around people but now like I'm searching for workout partners. Like I want people to come work out with me. And I have like, cause my energy is just through the roof now. And I kind of want to share that with people. So for 10 years, obviously your bloods were, as you say, pretty much consistently high and you had to use exercise as that form of medication to bring you back down. Did you almost, and I've, I've, I had a similar conversation with somebody living with type one relatively recently and for years, her numbers were up and down or either consistently higher. And it, it's in recent months that she's really, really got things in check and she's really had her bloods a lot more consistently in range. And she said that she kind of now remembers how she should feel as opposed to getting used to her bloods either fluctuating or being higher and it's almost like that's how she shouldn't feel but did you notice dex or did you even almost kind of how do i even phrase this did you remember how you should feel once your bloods were back in range 
Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't really know it. I guess I never really thought about it. It's been so long since I guess I felt normal. Um, I do know that I am a lot more happy, but yeah, you know, I never really thought about that. I, I didn't. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I that's know, just I guess when I was diagnosed, it was just a crazy time in my life. It was the first time I ever left. I'm originally from just out of side of Detroit, Michigan. And it was my first time living outside of Michigan. So in Boston. So I, I, I think I was stressed a lot. So before I was diagnosed, like, I don't, I don't even think I was in a good place then. So yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about that. Also a, a bit of a conceptual idea that that we generally bring to this podcast but that's something that struck me there based off the fact that for 10 odd years you were almost consistently fighting those high blood sugars and it reminded me of that conversation that I had had and even for myself like not that obviously I, I've gone through a 10-year period like yourself where your bloods were consistently more stubborn but even when I go through periods of my blood's not being where I want them to be. And then when they kind of settle back down and they start to behave themselves again, it's almost like, ah, yeah, that that's how I should feel. You know, that's, that's how I want to feel. From my perspective, that's how feeling normal is when my bloods are a lot more stable and, and flatlined to a certain extent. And I think that's kind of the connection with our blood sugar and ultimately how it can make us feel to a large extent. It's almost like when we go through longer periods of our bloods misbehaving, it's difficult to feel even just 100% clear in our own headspace. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like listening to you say that there's been moments where I like, I will leave work and come home and think, oh man, I feel really good today. And then I'll look at my numbers and my numbers will be right in range and like, <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, it's a, the, when you put it that way, so I, I guess I do know or remember like, okay, this is how I used to feel where I didn't feel super fatigued all the time or irritable and like now I'm just in a really good mood and excited to do things. Mm. Yeah, it's like a, a superpower in itself <laughs> in a weird sort of way. Right. You were saying, Dex, that you work with clients who have diabetes and obviously clients who don't have diabetes. How do you feel their sort of struggles may differ specifically in relation to to fitness as in if somebody with diabetes was to come to you and say they want to lose body fat or they want to lose weight become fitter healthier compared to somebody who doesn't do you feel as if the challenges they face are quite different yeah i think mentally the challenges are different um you know living with a chronic illness definitely can play with your mental health a lot. And like the people who come to me know that they want to just feel better. It's not necessarily about losing weight or looking good. I think it's always about feeling better. And then um, my clients who don't have diabetes, it usually starts as I want to lose weight and I want to look good. You know, we're out here in Los Angeles. And eventually I think because I work with both, their mindsets become the same where now my clients are like, I feel so much better. Like my clients without diabetes, I feel so much better, move better. Uh, I feel better playing with my kids. So ultimately I think 
they start off differently, but the people who live with diabetes, their mindset mindset changes from more of a depressed state to more of an empowerment. And then the people who live without diabetes realize that it's not necessarily about their looks. It's more about feeling good in their body, which mm. at the end of the day, like I think both people living with and without diabetes benefit from. Of course. And I think that's something that people always need to remember is fitness, quote unquote, fitness isn't just about how you look. It's about how you feel, your energy, your mood, your performance. Like you said yourself, being able to play with your kids and be more energized, be reassured that your long-term health and even even just your long-term stability from resistance training specifically is benefited. You know, because even as we get older, I'm sure, as you know yourself, Dex, when people get older, the vast majority of of injuries can come as a result of falling and that can be benefited by consistent resistance training. So do you work with all age groups too, or who do you work with specifically? Yeah, my age groups vary. Um, I have some clients in their sixties and I have some clients soon. I have some clients that are teenagers. So, um, they definitely vary. Most of the people I do work with are probably in their late twenties, early to mid thirties. But um, I, that's my biggest thing, especially with um, some of my younger clients, is that work out now, strength train now, so that when you're older, like you don't want to be restricted in the way you move at all. Um, mm. So like keep that in mind. Like you're not only working out for yourself now, but you're working out for your future self. And my clients who are in their 60s have been pretty much active their whole life, and they understand that like they need to continue to be active so they can continue to do the things that they want to do and. Most of my clients in their 60s are, I mean, they're very inspiring. I have one client, Matt, who's just jacked out of his mind. And <laughs> this is like a businessman. And he's just always on the go. And I'm like, wow, like, I hope when I get to 66, like, I'm the same same person um, as well. But yeah, yeah, the biggest thing now is just like, not only just teaching people about fitness, but just education about it and like why it's going to benefit you so much. What do you feel, Dex, is the most common issue that clients can face and how do you overcome it with them? Um, I think the, the, the biggest thing is just the number on the scale. Um, you know, like people don't understand how much your weight goes up and down and those numbers look discouraging to a lot of people. So like the biggest thing is just trying to get them to get the mindset that one muscle weighs more than fat, but two, that, that um, fitness, your fitness journey isn't going to be just like charting up the entire time. There's going to be a couple of valleys and just getting their mindset into the point of this needs to be a lifestyle. This needs to be something I need to do consistent is usually like the hardest challenge. But after a while, as long as they stick with it, they understand that and see that. I think the scale in itself can really, really discourage people a lot of the time. And Oftentimes, we're led to believe that the number on the scale is the only indicator of progress. And it's like we say to ourselves, okay, if it's lower today than it was yesterday, or it's lower today than it was last week, then then I'm being successful, or then I'm making progress. But it's so much more than that. And even just scientifically, the vast majority of the time, 
our, our, our weight fluctuates short term is going to be down to water weight, for example. Correct. Now, yeah. weight, like water retention, hormones, the time of day, were you stressed? Did you go to the bathroom that morning? It's, and, and it's important that we can remind people of that because it's not as if we step on a scale today and then we step on the scale tomorrow and we've gained two pounds and that two pounds is body fat. Like the vast majority of the time, that two pounds is water weight. And I think we like using the scale and I know some of my own clients even listen to this podcast and I'm, I'm speaking to them right now also. It's like, remind yourself of the fact that your weight is going to fluctuate up and down, up and down, up and down short term. And the vast majority of that is going to be water weight. It's going to be a meal that you've eaten. It's going to be the time that you weighed yourself at. And like you said yourself, muscle weighs a lot more than fat. So we can actually change our body composition a lot. lot. We can change how we look a lot, our mood, our energy, our performance, without seeing a drastic change in the scale. And I think that's important for people to remember when they start on whatever fitness journey they might be on, but also while they're on that journey, it's important to remember. And it, it's just a, and this is something I feel very passionate about because it's only, the scale is only a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage indicator of progress that you're making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree 100% with everything you said. And um, like I have a client coming in soon. I kind of wish <laughs> she was here right now to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> she could hear it from someone else besides myself. But yeah, like lately, like I've just been really trying to, luckily at my gym, we have a machine that use like magnetics or something to show body fat. So, and water weight. So that gives them a little bit more data and like realize what we're saying is factual. But yeah, like I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the media or like advertisement companies or what that like has people so concerned with the number on the scale and not based on how they feel or body composition like i always tell people like put on your jeans tell me how your jeans fit do they Mm -hmm. fit differently like do they feel looser and usually the answer is yeah they do feel looser and like that's when the connections start to make in their mind that okay maybe it isn't about the number on the scale 100 percent. and it's like how do you feel today how's your energy how's your mood how is your sleep you know how's your focus how did you play with your kids today compared to last week or last month or last year the, the scale doesn't tell you that. And I think it's important for us to, much like diabetes decks and much like our, our, our blood sugar numbers, it's important for us to be able to not have that emotional connection to the scale because it's only, like we've both said now, a tiny percentage of the progress that you make. And if we are somebody who is susceptible to being or having an emotional reaction to what the number says on a scale, don't even weigh yourself. Like I have a number of clients who just don't use a weighing scale, you know, and we can monitor progress by blood sugar, by mood, by energy, by performance, by the clothes that fit you, by your measurements. Because if we are somebody who is, and you can kind of relate this to 
looking at your CGM numbers too often too. If you are somebody who is triggered by the number on a scale, avoid the scale because your weight is going to go up and down, up and down, up and down in the short term. And the way I always look at it is physical progress like fat loss or weight loss over a longer period of time will always look like a stocks graph right? <laughs> because short term, when you zoom in, it's like up and down, up and down, up and down today, tomorrow, next week. But when you zoom out over a three month period or a six month period or a year period, you're probably going to be trending in that direction that you want long term anyway. And I know I'm probably preaching to the choir because, <laughs> because you know all of this, but it's important for anybody listening who may be you know, wanting to lose body fat or wanting to lose weight, you need to re- remind yourself and reassure yourself of these facts, essentially. When it comes to your own training decks, do you always train with a goal in mind or do you train for enjoyment? Because anytime I see a post on Instagram or anytime I go onto your Instagram, you know, you're obviously incredibly fit. You've told me before we press record that you're doing the New York Marathon next week. Are you really goal driven or do you have times where you train just for enjoyment? Um, definitely goal driven. I've always been the type of person that like enjoys outcomes. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, it's never really been, fitness has never been the number on the scale or anything for me. It's more about what can I do with my body performance wise. So yeah, when I'm training, if I'm trying to get better at cleans or have a heavier clean, that my focus would be better trying to do better on my Olympic lifts. That means like squatting more, front squatting, all that stuff. Um, with the New York Marathon coming up, um, my goal is to run it in four and a half hours. So um, kind of training to do that, like trying to like figure out what my pace is. Um, uh, what will the my cadence in my steps, like how can I improve that to make sure that I stay on pace? And for me, like that's always been the best way and because the best way to stay fit and because I think I had these performance goals are a lot more measurable than thinking about what the number is on the scale. And that's, I think, the major reason why I've been able to stay fit um, my entire life is because it's always just been like the outcome of if I put in the training for this, then this should happen. Mm. It's always your habits and your routines will take you further than anything else. Right. Because that consistency is is always just going to lead to a certain goal that you have, but also ultimately it's going to lead to you just being healthier and fitter consistently. Like you say yourself, your cadence to your steps, it's, it's such a, it's such a simple thing. Well, not a simple thing time-wise, but it's a simple thing to go out for a walk. But when we do that consistently over time, it has a significant impact on our health and our well-being. Right. I like, I've like pretty much said in my life, I haven't drove a car in 10 years and people think that's crazy <laughs> in LA, but I, I just walk everywhere or I take public transportation and I like, I believe that I'm just a lot healthier because I take the time to walk or ride a bike or some other way than either hopping in a car and getting to point A and point B and just being outside. It's just like increase my mood. I think all these things were things that I needed to do 
to get through my bad numbers or the numbers that wouldn't reflecting my lifestyle. Um, but like I needed those things that helped me with managing my diabetes the last 10 years. How's the preparation going for the marathon next week? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I'm excited for it. I think, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'm ready for it. I got a couple more runs to do. They're not too much. Like I think a couple five Ks, the hardest run was a few weeks ago, um, a 20 mile run. So, and that okay. wasn't too bad. It was more of me just getting bored, which is kind of crazy to say, cause you know, I live in LA and the weather's always beautiful or I can go to the beach and run and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm good to go. And it's, you know, it's for charity and that motivates me a little bit more to make sure one finish, but like, I want to do a really good job at this. So what do you feel or how is your preparation on the day going to look in relation to fueling your body efficiently and sufficiently to, to get through the race, but also even just for blood sugar, do you have a, a plan or strategy in place that you're going to follow to make sure your bloods don't cause, cause you too much frustration on the day? Yeah, I think um, the one thing is I'm going to eat a more carb-heavy breakfast um, probably two hours before the race. I am not going to take that much insulin that month, that morning. And, and then I just have like this runner fanny pack. It's very tiny. My phone fits in it, and I have enough space to fit. And I'm going to use – I really like gummy bears, which is something I didn't have the last <laughs> two years. So I'm going to fill it up with that and have that. And luckily, um, because I'm running with other diabetics – they uh who have run the race before it's like there's always people out there who's giving out carbohydrates and stuff like that so um yeah the biggest thing is just making sure i get the right amount of sleep being in new york i'm gonna be excited so i just gotta make sure i get the right amount of sleep so i'm good to go for the race yeah you were saying even prior to us recording again you, you don't get too much sleep consistently so what amount of hours do you feel you're you're hoping for the night before the the marathon um, as long as I get seven or eight, I think I'm be good to go. It's not really, I guess it's not the night before it's the two nights before the race that I need to make sure that I get proper sleep for. I've like, I read that it's never the night before. It's like the couple of days leading up to whatever you're doing, either race or competition or something like that. So as long as I get sleep those couple of days before that, I should be good to go. Did you say you hadn't? had gummy bears over the last number of years and you're looking forward to eating them this, this time. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of like how I treat my lows now um, <laughs> is with the gummy bears. Uh, yeah, I just haven't had much sugar in the last 10 years. So now everything just tastes incredible. And before I didn't like gummy snacks. So like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to like how much I enjoy them now. Well, if you're running the marathon over four four and a half hours your bloods are definitely going to be trending lower so it's it's definitely a good opportunity to eat a lot of gummy right. bears throughout that whole race yeah it's gonna so be i hope a, you're stocking up nicely exciting exciting uh treat every time i have to <laughs> pull pull a couple a handful out and eat while I run. <laughs> no better way to fuel yourself dex exactly i know you have plenty of clients to be training for the yeah. day so i don't want to be taking it's, up yeah, too much of your time but i've one more question for you dex mm-hmm it can come across as an unusual one. And I've certainly gotten mixed answers to this question. But Dex, from your experience with type two and now type one, 
if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? Um, I think I would thank it for two things. One, teaching me patience. And two, um, I think I'm a more optimistic person because of it, even though the last 10 years haven't been great. I've always kind of been able to stay positive about it. And I don't know, I think because of that journey, uh, it's definitely helped me become um, a better motivator of people. Love it. Great answer. And speaking of being a motivator to people, if anybody listening is not following Dex on social media, please follow him on social media. He makes me feel pretty bad about my own training, to be honest, (laughs) because every time I go on, he's lifting incredible weights and he looks incredibly fit. And now he's also running a marathon. So for anybody, but particularly anybody living with type one, he is an absolute perfect example of somebody who is living with the same condition as you that can definitely keep you motivated. So Dex, I appreciate your time today. It's been amazing to finally talk to you properly and have a proper conversation because I know I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. So I appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Dex, where can people find out more about you online, your social media handles, anything that you want to share where people can find you? Um, Yeah, just pretty much um, on Instagram at Dex Geralds. And then I have some articles on medium.com that they can read as well. But all of that is connected through my Instagram. So Instagram would be the best place. Nice one. For anybody who isn't following, I'll link all of Dex's links below in the episode description so you'll be able to connect and find them through there. Dex, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and I look forward to linking in with you again soon. Have a great day. It's nice talking to you. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate subscribe and share it really really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate when you subscribe and when you share if you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far likely someone else would be too if you have any questions or stories for myself and graham please do not hesitate to reach out we absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions you can do this through the insulone podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier, and happier within my type 1% better online program, you can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.